Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so we have been looking at our series on leadership that lasts. And today, this is our penultimate week, we're looking at um, the characteristic of wisdom. And this has been a really interesting just journey for me, just in my preparation uh, for this one. Um, You'll know the things that we talk about, about this series. We're saying leadership is really important, but the way you become a leader is not by trying to become a leader, but it's by developing who you are, your own character. And as you do that, as you develop your character, as you develop um, uh, all those things that we've talked about, discipline and courage and excellence and purpose, as you develop them in your life, people will follow you and people will ask you to do things. And that's essentially what leadership is. And that's what will happen. So this week we come to look at wisdom. There's an element where we all probably think a little that we are wiser than we really are. Yeah? Um, And I say that not not to diminish the fact that, that, but you know what? We all like, and I'm big one on this, we like to give people advice. Yeah? And you may not give people who are older than you advice, people you're not sure, maybe they know more than me, but other people, you'll advise them. Yeah? We, we all do it, you know, even if you're, if you're six years old, you'll tell a four-year-old how to do stuff, yeah? We all like to give advice uh, to those that are coming up after us. Godly wisdom, though, is rarer than we think, mainly, I, I think, because we don't fully understand it. I'm going to be taking a passage from... Uh, James chapter 3. I'm going to read it and then I'm just going to unpack it. So James chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition, or another word for ambition in this context would be selfish desire, um, if we simply look at ambition, half of us go, that's not me. Yeah? Because many of us are not ambitious. But we do have selfish desires. So if you replace that word ambition with desire, um, if you harbour bitter envy and selfish desire in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, in inverted commas, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish desire... There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Father, I would ask that you would speak to us through these words. In Jesus' name. Amen. These come from the book of James, and if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know that James is quite a... um, He was Jesus' younger brother, and he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And his book, his book is only five chapters, but it's one of the hardest-hitting books. I mean, this guy doesn't pull punches. He doesn't hold back. 
You know, he talks about, he makes this great connection between faith and deeds. And actually, the way we express our faith is through our deeds. But we still need to have our faith. He's very practical. He talks about not being double-minded and all of those very practical things. And here, he talks about uh, what the what the sort of some of the commentators t- call two kinds of wisdom. Two kinds of wisdom. For us, wisdom can be defined by profound words. Yeah? You know, you, if you're on Twitter or on any kind of social media, often you might like things that sound really profound. You know, he was the best striker the world had ever seen. It sounds profound, even if it's nonsense. It sounds profound. Um, we read profound words or sayings, good quotes, things that sound really wise, clever insights. We look at them, uh, but sometimes clever insights aren't wisdom. Yeah? Then it's not wisdom necessarily. Knowledge. Sometimes we can think biblical knowledge is wisdom when it's not. Yeah? Just because I know the scriptures doesn't mean I live by the scriptures. Yeah? I can know lots of Bible and not have it live in me at all. Yeah? So, so simply having knowledge doesn't make me wise. Sometimes we think people who appear mature or people who can appear objective, we look, at, we look at them, we think, oh yeah, they're really wise, that's a wise thing they say, oh yeah, I go to them because there's wisdom. Yeah? Actually, if you read James, you will find that he doesn't define wisdom by those things, he defines wisdom by where does it come from. It's the source that determines wisdom, not the words you say, not the amount of knowledge that you have, it's where is it coming from, that's what determines wisdom. And according to James, wisdom, and remember he's writing to the church, he's not writing to the unbeliever, he's writing to believers, wisdom, even in the church, has two sources. The first is, it comes from the heart, it's man-centred, it comes out of us, And the second is, it comes down from heaven, i.e. it's God-centred. So wisdom has two sources. It either comes from within you, or it comes from outside of you. And when it comes from outside of you, it comes from God. Yeah. So there are two ways that we receive wisdom. The source of man-centred wisdom, this first kind, uh, the passage makes reference to it. It says it comes from envy. Yeah? Envy is not just jealous thoughts, but comparative thoughts. When you compare yourself one to another, you may well in your heart be jealous of someone, but how many of us admit jealousy? We don't admit jealousy. Yeah? It's very rare that you say, oh, I'm jealous of that person. You know, I just have to admit it, I am. No, we don't admit jealousy. It's a difficult thing to admit. Yeah? But envy is not just jealousy, it's when I compare, when I look at myself in relation to other people and judge myself accordingly. And you can do that, you can judge yourself up or you can judge yourself down, both of which are human, man-centred ways of deciding stuff. And the passage tells us that. Selfish, and then it says, um, comes from, the first kind of wisdom comes from envy and selfish ambition, but as I said, Replace the word ambition with selfish desire, and suddenly we're all in it, yeah? Because we all have selfish desires in your heart that you want to pursue, yeah? There are things you want, yeah? 
And it might be, oh, yeah, I can't wait for the day I want to get a bigger house, I want to do this, I want to live where there's some fields, I want to live where there's some sun. Selfish desires. I'm not saying that they're all wrong. I want, to, I want to change the world here. I want to do this. I want to feed every pauper. All these things may be really good things, but they're selfish desires. They come from within you. Harboured in one's heart. So one source of wisdom comes from the heart of man. And actually, a really good example of this is we go back to the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis and we get an example of man, human-centred wisdom. And it's at the beginning of chapter 3, and it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for what? For gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. So there is this very human desire to gain wisdom, which Eve enters, very human. And yet, in some ways, you look at that passage, you know, she saw it was good food, it was pleasing to the eye, and she desired wisdom. None of those in and of themselves are wrong things. Do you know what I mean? It's not like desiring good food is wrong, yeah? Or desiring wisdom in and of itself is wrong. These are not wrong things, but when wisdom comes from the heart of man, it's a wrong thing. So the source of man-centred wisdom is that, comes from envy, selfish ambition in the heart. The result of man-centred wisdom is this. It's earthly, unspiritual and demonic and it leads to disorder and every evil practice. Now if there was ever an example of that being true, it's Eve. Eve goes after wisdom, man-centred wisdom, And as a result of going after man-centred wisdom, she does something that you can describe as earthly. It is unspiritual, it is even demonic, and it leads to absolute chaos. So it's an extreme example, but it's a real example of what happens when you go for man-centred wisdom. Your source is man-centred, your result is a man-centred result. So this passage, James, he then talks about the source of God-centred wisdom and he describes it as this. The second kind of wisdom is the wisdom that comes, he literally says, from heaven. It comes down from heaven. He says that at the, um, in, in, that sort of, in the passage that I read at the beginning. He talks about the wise person. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And then he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. The wisdom that comes down from heaven. The results of God-centred wisdom are this. The second kind of wisdom is demonstrated in a good life 
and deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. I'd never seen that before. You may have done. I'd never seen this idea that deeds done in humility come from wisdom. So that there is this link between how humble you are and how wise you are. There is a link. It reminded me of a situation, um, it might seem an odd remembrance, um, when uh, I was 13 years old, I think I was 13, I was in year, what would have been year eight. They didn't even call it year eight and nine in those days. We had a different educational system to the one we have now. But I was in the equivalent of year eight. And when I was at school, your tutor group, um, in the way my school worked, was made up of people from every year group. So year seven right through to year 13 would have all been in the same tutor group because they were in a particular house or part of the school. And I was in a particular tutor group and I had a, a guy I knew in my tutor group, he was a year below me, and I remember one day coming into the canteen and he was sitting there and I think I must have gone up to him, I don't know whether I, you know, ruffled his hair, I did something. I did something that, you know, I just did something. Anyway, I did something to him and his friend stood up. Um, and I remember his friend stood up and he was a bit shorter than me. I remember this guy is a year younger than me. Um, and so his friend was short because I'm not tall. So his friend's a bit shorter than me. He stands up and you know when you have uh, one of those moments, I, don't ha I, I can avoid these moments if I have to, but in this moment I was in a moment, yeah, where he stood up and we're now face to face and the, the canteen is very busy, but in a moment the canteen could clear really quickly because there's going to be some stuff going on. Yeah? So he stands up and we're, we're like standing there and we're, we're facing off and the guy who's sitting down, he says to his friend, it's, it's all right, Bill, it's all right. Yeah, his name is Bill. It wasn't Bill Holden, because um, obviously he's a lot younger than me. This would have been an odd scenario. Um, and Bill and I have never faced off in any kind of way. Um, but he said, it's all right, Bill, it's, it's all right, Bill. Um, and uh, Bill and I faced off. And then there was a moment where Probably t I backed away. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, Owen. <laughs> I backed away. And there was a moment where I felt, I didn't feel um, humble, I felt humiliated. Yeah? I backed away. Yeah? In this crowded thing. And, you know, young men don't back away. Yeah? You're just like, you've got to be there. Even if you think you're going to lose, you've got to, you've, got to, you've got to save face. You've got to do the thing. Yeah? But I backed away. Yeah? And in the moment, I, I knew I felt a bit embarrassed about that. I felt a bit humiliated by that. A few days later, when I saw, um, um, not Bill, uh, but the friend um, of Bill, who was in my tutor group, um, and I had a conversation with him, because uh, uh, one of the reasons I felt a bit humiliated was I thought Bill was younger than me. Yeah? That's another thing, you know. He's shorter than me, he's younger than me, and I, ba I backed off. I was the one that backed off. Yeah? When I saw um, my, the, my, the guy in my tutor group a few days later, I remember him saying almost, oh, I'm, gl I'm glad he did that. Yeah? Because Bill is actually older than me, and he's a fighter. Yeah? <laughs> so this guy, this would not have gone well for me. Um, and there was this sense of the humility that came from wisdom. 
yeah, the wisdom to back off in front of a big crowd of people who were beginning to think, is something going to go on here? Are we going to see, fight, fight, fight? You know, you know what happens at school. Yeah? Uh, Owen just backed away. Yeah? Now I back away, I don't really care less. Yeah? Uh, <laughs> but, but then it, it mattered. Backing away mattered when I was 13. And I thought he was 12 and he was shorter. And actually he was 14 and he was stronger. Um, I back away. So when this guy told me that, I was like, the Lord be praised. <laughs> The Lord be praised that I did not engage with Bill and that I had the humility that comes from wisdom. Yeah? Because in that moment, wisdom protected me. Yeah? I mean, you can't get over the fact that, oh, wow, I mean, you talk about... But in that moment, wisdom was what protected me. And the source of... um, that wisdom which comes down from God and the result of it is you get protected because you, you become more humble when you become wise in God. Why is that? Because wisdom is a characteristic of God. Yeah, It's a characteristic of God. That's why you need to go to God for your wisdom and not to yourself for your wisdom. Because wisdom is partly what God is like, who he is. God is wise. Yeah, you read through the Proverbs, it just talks about wisdom. Yeah? The wisdom of the decisions that you make, the things that you do. And when you lean into God, you lean into wisdom. When you lean into yourself, you lean into Eve. You lean into chaos. Wisdom, there are two kinds of it. So, when we just think for a moment about the characteristics of wisdom that comes from heaven... We don't need to think too much about the characteristics of wisdom that comes from the heart, because you get that. Yeah? If your life is full of disorder and chaos, don't simply think it's the devil. It might just be you. It might be a lack of wisdom. It might be that you've taken wisdom from a different source yeah, than the one that James is encouraging us to take. So these are the characteristics of wisdom, and I think they're going to come up on the board. The first that we read in this, in this passage of uh, James, is pure. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. And what that means is it's undivided and it's unmixed. Your motives are not mixed. Wisdom is very difficult when you think a million different thoughts. When you think, oh, this is a good idea, that's a good idea, but what do I do about that? What do I do about that? Yeah? Pure wisdom is when you're undivided in how you think. Yeah? You put God central and you go, come what may, that's where we go. Come what may. No matter what difficulty there comes in my life, in the culture, that is where I go. Pure. Undivided, unmixed motives. Yeah? I'm not not helping you out, but at the same time trying to help myself out. Unmixed motives. The second characteristic of wisdom is it is peace-loving. And we've already had this today, the idea of a peacemaking spirit. And there is, a, there is a big difference between peacemaking and a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. We must understand that. A peacekeeper, we've talked about this before, but a peacekeeper is someone who wants to keep the peace. Oh, no, don't fight, don't fight. I'm just trying to keep the peace. A peacemaker is one who resolves, one who sorts, one who brings things back to how they should be in God. There is a wholeness about peacemaking which is why they're called children of God. There's a wholeness about it, which is different to being a peacekeeper. 
Yeah? Peacekeeper, I don't want to get involved, but I don't want any problems. So peace-loving is having a peacemaking spirit. Considerate. It's another characteristic of wisdom that comes from heaven, is that you are considerate. You're calm, sober, you're true, and you don't abuse the power or position that you hold. And one of the reasons that we always give advice, and particularly we advise down, is there is a power position thing there. But if you're considerate, you will do that well. You will do that selflessly. You won't do that selfishly. Next is submissive. And this is a difficult one, that wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. It trusts, it is easily persuaded, but you're not persuaded because you don't have conviction. Yeah? But you're open, you're winnable. Easily persuaded, not easily swayed. Yeah? You're not necessarily swayed by everything that you hear. And James talks about people blown about by every wind of teaching. It's not that, but you are winnable. You're persuadable. So when you might come with an idea, oh, I want to do this with my life, and you, and you bring it to people, rather than bringing it and saying, I must do this, you're winnable, you're open, you're, you're, you're willing to listen. Oh, will that work? How does this work? Oh, no, don't tell me what to... You're open, you're persuadable, you're winnable. Submissive. Do you know what? That's really important because people who are not submissive often make silly decisions because they don't, they don't actually listen to, to wisdom that comes to them. It's full of mercy and good fruit. And James is all about what does this look like in practice. He's all about how it looks. So faith and deeds are really important. Don't tell me about your faith if you don't do anything. Yeah? So even when it comes to wisdom, it's full of mercy and good fruit. It's evidenced in acts of kindness. It's evidenced in good deeds. Yeah? So when you look at someone, are you seeing acts of kindness? Are you seeing good deeds? It's a sign of wisdom that comes from heaven. Then it's impartial. And impartial is it's the opposite of being double-minded. Impartial is not necessarily, oh, they're objective. Because you can get objective advice, which is nonsense. Yeah? Impartial is that they're not double-minded. They're singular of purpose and they're trusting in God. So you want wisdom that comes uh, from people who are single-minded about God and his purpose. Let that be the plumb line of how you decide stuff. It's not simply about, oh, you know, well, I'm just going to go to someone because they're not really involved, so I'll ask them. No, because if they're not, if they're not thinking about God's way, how's that really always going to help you? You want to know, what does God want here? That's ideally, that's ultimately what you want. You don't simply want impartial advice. You want advice that leads you more there, surely. As Christians, that's where we go. And then we want wisdom that is sincere, i.e. it is without hypocrisy. There's no underlying motive. There's no second-hand issue. You see, the results of wisdom that come from God is this. You think about Eve, the result of not doing what Eve did is peace rather than disorder. And peace is one of those values one of those things that God has for us in every situation of, of your life. God is seeking peace. 
But it's not peace in terms of just the absence of all the problems. It's peace in terms of a wholeness of relationship, a healthy relationship, a restoration of relationships. It's peace in terms of knowing where you're going in him and staying there. Sticking to that regardless. Peace. Eve's actions, we know, led to massive disorder. It led to chaos. But all she did, really... She ate an apple. She ate an apple. But in eating an apple, she opened the door to all sorts of rubbish. Because fundamentally, it wasn't so much about eating the apple, it was where, it was the source that she chose to drink from when it came, I want to find wisdom. Where will I find it? I'll find it here. In some ways, what happened as a result of it is disproportionate. Because really, the issue is the source. Where are you going for wisdom? And the other result of wisdom, I think, is protection. So it was me, cowardly, with Bill. I was protected by my wise decision not to engage with him. But actually, you think about, even you think about some of our young people, and why would we have prayed for young people specifically in the way that we did? Because as adults... You're out and about in the streets all the time, yeah? But when you get to the age of 11, you start going to secondary school and you start being out and about on the streets, there is a vulnerability that comes with that. That's not the same when you're 25, yeah? There is a vulnerability that comes with that. And so that age group where, in a way, legally you're still almost children up to the age of 18, there is a vulnerability that comes with that. Imagine if more and more children more and more young people learn the wisdom that comes from God. That wisdom protects them. That wisdom gives them peace in their relationships and in their life. Wisdom from heaven is important because it bears the hallmarks of God. Now I'm just going to read very quickly one parable and really oh, we're probably going to have to finish. I've got some questions. I'll put them up. I'll put them up. Oh, no, I busted my, busted my, my Bible. But you might think, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying, Owen, but let me just read this parable, and really, you don't see whether this parable doesn't say the same thing about two kinds of wisdom. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." I read these two passages separately. I didn't kind of connect them initially. And then I realised, oh, Jesus in this speaks of two kinds of wisdom. And it's the wisdom of the wise man and it's the wisdom of the foolish man. Yeah? Both of them take action. Both of them do something. One of them results in foundation built on the rock, which is the wisdom that comes down from heaven, and the other builds a foundation on the sand, which is the wisdom that comes from man. 
Yeah? And Jesus, in this parable, tells us what happens. When you build your house on the rock and when you build your house on the sand. So where will we build our houses? Where will we build our houses? I'm just aware of the time. And I think I'm just going to pray because uh, time, is, time is gone. And um, what I'll do is I'll send the PowerPoint out to the group leaders and you can, you can pick it up in group if you want to do that. So let's just pray together. Father, there, there may be many different things that you've spoken to us about today through our worship, through our moment of remembrance, through our standing with the young people in our church and around this city, even through this talk, Lord. Uh, what I pray for each one of us is that we will apply godly wisdom. I pray, Father, that we will be honest with ourselves where we need to move from a place of um, man-centred wisdom, which is around selfish desire and envy, comparing ourselves to others, where we need to move from that to a place where we embrace godly wisdom, which is pure, submissive, impartial. And Lord, I pray that we would not rationalise it away, use human wisdom to explain away what we need to do. But I pray for humility, the humility that comes from wisdom. And Lord, some of us even need to maybe just look at our own lives and maybe that the chaos and the disorder. And sometimes, God, we need to, we need to move the source. So I pray, give us the, the strength and the courage to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.